Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good morning, Living Hope. How's everybody doing? Good. Good to see everybody. It is... Uh, it is did anybody like totally melt yesterday? It was like incredibly, I don't know if you noticed how hot it was. It was hot if you didn't notice. Uh, yeah, it was really hot. So who did the uh, Relay for Life yesterday? Anybody? Yeah. Who was actually up like in the middle of, you know, O-Dark 30? Any, anybody? Anybody? All right. Good, 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 good. Awesome. So yeah, that was a lot of fun out there. And I, I did the uh, 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. shift and uh, it was awesome. 60 degrees, beautiful. You guys missed it. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful. So I don't know how you can have a what like fifty degrees <laughs> temperature difference within the course of one day. That's uh, that's pretty dramatic. So um, be here next week, like he was saying earlier. Uh, next week is Father's Day, and we are doing baptisms, but uh, it'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Bring a dad with you, even if it's not your dad. Bring a dad, and uh, just somebody who's maybe been a dad to you, or or uh, somebody that I don't know. Bring a crappy dad with you. That's fine, too. Just bring, just bring, bring a dad with you, and, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm not going to give anything away, but next week our, our sermon is, uh, is Mr. T-themed, and that's all I'm going to say about that. So, um, so anyway. <laughs> I pity the fool. Okay. So, so we're going to finish up our uh, series that we started a few weeks ago from this day forward, where we've been looking at... Uh, five commitments to fail-proof your marriage. And uh, let's look at those commitments real fast. Go ahead and put those up there. Uh, the first one we talked about was, just go ahead and say them with me. Seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure. And then today we're never going to give up. All right, say it one more time. We're going to seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, and never give up. All right, so this, you know, when we talked about the seek God, you know, the big point there was you're, we're going to seek our one, which is God. We're going to seek our one with our two, which is our spouse. Or if you're single, you're going to seek your one while preparing for your two. And then we talked about how important it is to fight fair, that if you're going to, if you're going to, um, you know, engage in a disagreement, do it in a way that is honoring to God and honoring to each other and, uh, and, and don't, you know, pull unfair punches there. Also, um, or literal punches for matter, don't do that either. And then um, have fun, uh, how important it is for us to have uh, fun. Uh, just, just, you know, continue dating your spouse. Continue just, in, you know, the Bible says that marriage was meant for, it, for you to be in, enjoyed, um, for, for it to be enjoyed by you. And so uh, just continue having fun together, stay intimate, and all that kind of stuff. We're going to stay pure. Last week we talked about how important it is. Not only, you know, we, we, we talked a few weeks ago about, you know, the kind of fighting fair with each other. When the, we talk about staying pure, that's we're going to enter in a whole different kind of fight. We're going to lock arms together, and we're going to fight for our marriage. We're going to fight together for our marriage. We're going to make sure that uh, impurity stays out of our marriage, that temptation is held at bay, that we put certain things into place, certain practices, certain safeguards, whatever it might be, but that we fight for our marriage. We take it so seriously that we don't just leave it to chance that, that this most valuable treasure that God has blessed us with is worth fighting for. So this week we're going to talk, never give up, never give up. Now, honestly, if you think about it, uh, we could have just had one commitment to fail proof your marriage and it would have been that last one, right? Never give up. Like if you get, if you do that, well, your marriage is fail proof, right? So, but it, it's more than just, you know, I think a lot of times when we think of, well, I'm never going to give up in my marriage. A lot of times we think in terms of 
well, you know, I know it's horrible, and, and, and I don't really like her. I don't really like him anymore, and we've kind of fallen out of love, but, but I'm going to be miserable with her for the rest of my life because I'm in this for the long haul, so, you know, that's fine. Now, that's not God's will is not for you to be miserable for the rest of your life. He wants your marriage to thrive, not just survive. And so it, it's, not, it's not about you just, you know, kind of uh, plugging, you know, plugging along and, and uh, staying uh, in it even though you hate everything about it. No, again, like we read, the marriage, God designed marriage to be enjoyed, to be enjoyed, you're to rejoice in the wife of your youth. You're, you know, that whole, that whole thing, that whole concept of God wants this to be a fulfilling part of your life, a fulfilling part of your life. And so when we talk never give up, I'm talking uh, not only never just, you know, just staying in it, but I'm also saying never give up on a healthy marriage. Never give up on a healthy marriage. If you know your marriage is unhealthy right now, if you know you're struggling and, and having trouble even liking the person that you're married to, never give up hope on the fact that it can be more than it is. Because it can be. It absolutely can be. I've told this story dozens of times, and I'll tell it again, and I'll, you'll hear me tell it dozens more before this is all over with. But, you know, in, in the hardest section of Jamie and I's marriage, you know, when we were about seven years in our marriage, and I was at the threshold of, of you know, cashing it in, I was really just, I was done. And that whole, you know, we reached that point, and it, I, it was more hopeless than I'd ever felt in my life. And I felt that. I felt like either I'm going to make the decision to, to get divorced, which I was really close to, or I just have to be in this miserable marriage for the rest of my life. And I, and I began this process of kind of giving it to God and, and just uh, submitting, you know, to him in prayer. Um, I, I, my head wasn't in it. My heart wasn't in it. Quite honestly, I, I, I couldn't stand Jamie and she couldn't stand me. And as I began to kind of commit that thing to prayer, um, a, a few months of, of doing that, I hit this point where one day I woke up and, and I can't, I didn't, it wasn't because I read a book, it wasn't because I listened to a seminar, it wasn't any of that. It was God had just done a miracle on my heart. And I woke up one, went to bed one night in hate with my wife and woke up the next morning more in love with her than I'd ever been in my life. And I know that sounds like some sort of, you know, preacher mumbo jumbo, you know, whatever, easy fix stuff. But trust me, there was nothing easy about it. There was nothing, because it wasn't like everything got, you know, magically better that next day. There was still a lot of work to be done. All I'm saying is that God gave me the miracle that I had been praying for in that he changed my heart. Now, sometimes we have to work to change our circumstances, but only God can change the heart. And he did that for me. He did that for me. And so I want to challenge you, if you're at that place where you're like hopeless and you don't see things ever getting better, don't give up. Don't give up. The, the God who is the healer of bodies is also the healer of hearts. The God who uh, created the universe can recreate in you what he's been wanting you to have in your marriage. Never give up. Never. So... Let's dive into this a little bit. We're gonna, I'm going to read this passage uh, where Jesus, you know, Jesus was getting really popular in his ministry. And um, he's still pretty popular. Um, 
But as, as is the case, whenever anybody like, uh, that's, that's considered to be a man or God uh, gets popular, people start coming after him. People start, you know, they, they want to they see them look foolish. They want to see them fall. Uh, they want to trip them up. Just watch, you know, Piers Morgan, old Larry King episodes, whatever. Anytime a, a you know, kind of famous pastor is on one of those shows, they ask the hardest questions, the most ridiculous questions that you, you, they can possibly come with just because they want, they want you to have to give an answer that makes you look foolish or not give an answer that, you know, makes the people who actually kind of follow you lose faith in you or whatever. And so this is what was happening with Jesus. Jesus' popularity was growing and growing and growing in his ministry. People were following him and people were uh, buying into his kingdom philosophy. And it was threatening the religious leaders of that day. So the Pharisees decided that they were going to start trying to trip him up and make him look foolish uh, or controversial in the eyes of the people that were following him. <clears throat> so in Matthew 19, this is what happens. It says, and uh, Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? So that was their question. They, they, they decided we're going to trip him up with this question. It's controversial. If he gives a weird answer, maybe people will uh, leave him alone. And so Jesus did something here. He, he you know, there were laws back in that day where, uh, that allowed for divorce. You know, that Moses had written laws years and years and years before that allowed for uh, certificates of divorce to be given. And the whole purpose of that was because people were wicked and they were, you know, men were mistreating their wives. And so they would kind of kick them to the curb and with nothing, you know, and leave them homeless and penniless and that sort of thing. So Moses wrote something into the law uh, called a certificate of divorce, which basically meant if you were going to divorce your wife, you had to uh, also make sure she didn't wind up homeless and penniless. There, there was some sort of provi- provision there for her. And so... The people had taken this allowance by Moses and taken it as a license to just divorce as long as you handed off your certificate. You know, marriage had, had come to mean, as it does today, in a lot of ways, pretty much nothing. Pretty much nothing. And so Jesus takes Moses' law and he ups the ante and he actually ups it like by several levels. By several, and so look at his response to this. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Jesus answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female (coughs) and said, therefore, (coughs) pardon me, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become what? Say it with me. One flesh. One flesh. So they are no longer two, but what? One flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Let not man separate. A pastor by the name of Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, you can't un-one what God has made one. You cannot un-one what God has made one. It would be like if you were to take a, two pieces of paper, uh, you know, just, just copy paper and super glue them together, you know, all the way across and all the way up and down, just super glue them together tight and then try to pull those two pieces apart from each other, what happens to those, to those two pieces of paper? They, 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 it's going to be tearing and ripping. It's just, it's not, it, you're not going to be able to get it to come apart in a neat way because you join them together uh, in a way that made them almost like one piece of paper. And it's the same thing in the context of our marriages. What God has made one, you cannot just sort of have a casual agreement one day that let's just, let's unwind this. Let's undo this 
and think that it's going to be nice and neat and just peel apart, great. No. It's going to rip and it's going to tear. It's going to be painful. It's going to get ugly. Uh, you can't unwind what God, what God has made one. Now, I want to chase a couple rabbits here for just a second. Um, now, I know that there are some people in the room, uh, quite a few people in the room probably, that have uh, been through uh, divorces in your past. And so I want I to tell you, and some of you would say that uh, maybe, you know, the circumstances of that divorce was, you know, it was completely justified, maybe even biblical uh, in, in reasons or whatever. Some of you would say that uh, you look back on it and realize, you know, you made some mistakes that you, that you kind of regret and you're dealing with uh, the results of a lot of that today, maybe, whatever that case may be. This is what, this is what I want to say to you. If you're in the room and you've been divorced, as, as is the case with any other uh, issue in life that we talk about here uh, or any other sin problem or anything else, uh, the message of the gospel is one of, is one of grace and one of forgiveness. And you need to not feel stuck in uh, shame uh, or regret for the rest of your life that you serve a God who, who loves you and forgives you and wants victory for you moving forward. Wants victory for you moving forward. And so don't allow yourself to get stuck there. Allow yourself to embrace that grace that's afforded to us by God and, and really believe that grace. Really believe in that love because it's there and it's available to you. And some of you are maybe working through things and working through regrets and working through past things or whatever that is, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, keep, keep working on that stuff. Uh, you know, keep trying to sort that out. If you need help sorting that out, there's people that will help you sort that out. But whatever that situation is, know that you can move past it. Know that you can move past it. Now, it doesn't mean God gives you the, you know, everything's better pill. Um, there, you, we still have to deal oftentimes with the results of our actions. And a lot of times there's pain and family issues and all kinds of stuff that has to be dealt with for a very, very long time. And that's just part of your new reality. But know that regardless, God loves you and he wants, he wants victory for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. That was good news. You guys golf clapped that one. Um, amen? All right. All right. So, so the, 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 the second rabbit I want to chase is this. Look there at, um, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. I'm getting ready to do some preaching that I'm going to make some of you happy and some of you nervous. So here we go. There are some of you in the room. I don't, I don't normally do the sweat towel thing, but today I'm doing the sweat towel thing. So, um, so there are some of you in the room that have uh, not left your parents, that you have uh, entered into a marriage and you are giving your parents more control, more influence, more say-so into the future of your marriage than you are your own spouse. And you, stop it. Stop it. You need to leave your parents and cleave to your spouse. Don't do that. Guys, don't hold the opinion of your mom higher than the opinion of your wife. That's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you. Ladies, do not hold your husband up to some impossible dreamlike standard that you have about your dad. It's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well. That you need to establish boundaries with your parents. Now, on, on, the other, on the other side of that spectrum, there are some of you parents in the room who have had kids marry 
and you need to get out of their business. <laughs> you need to get out of their business. You need to let them have the family that they need to have. Now, it, as a parent, you know, I've got teenage kids and younger than that kids, and uh, one of my biggest goals as a parent is that is not just to raise my kids to age 18 and boot them out into the world and say, good luck, I hope I did a good enough job. That's not, that's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal for my kids in terms of my parenting of them is, is, is well, ultimately that they, are, that they live lives that are honorable to, to Christ, that are following Jesus Christ. But, but beyond that, one of my ultimate goals is that they would, that I would parent in such a way now that I still have influence with them later. You know what I'm saying? Because you can control parent now, and then when they leave, they cut you off, and they, they write you off, and you don't have any influence on them anymore. Or you can parent in a way to influence them now, and hopefully maintain that influence later, to where when tough times hit my kids, they actually think to call dear old dad and, and maybe get a little bit of advice, or just use him as a sounding board, or whatever, and I maintain some level of influence with my kids because I love them and I, I want that. Now that doesn't mean I go and force my influence on them. It doesn't mean I go and you know let myself into their house uninvited. It doesn't mean I you know do all this kind of stuff where where boundaries are being crossed. You have to establish boundaries. And some of you parents need to step back and allow your kids to live their lives. You had a life, and and you know hopefully you did right by it and everything else. But now is not the time for you to get a do-over through your kids. Now you let them go do their thing and live their life. And hopefully you've parented in such a way that you've earned some influence with them. Hopefully that's what you've done. Now, that was some good preaching. Some of you guys are just staring at me. That was really, really good. Some of you guys I know inside are going, but, but it, you need, it's, what, it's what needs to happen. It's what needs to happen. Now, the Bible calls us to to love and honor our, our parents, to honor your mother and your father. And, and I don't believe that ends at age, age 18. I believe that carries on throughout your adulthood and you know, throughout life. That we're, I believe we're called to honor our parents. Some of you kids need to have, uh, and uh, married kids, not teenage kids. You guys don't have any power at all. Um, <laughs> so some of you, some, <laughs> some, of you um, some of you married children need to, sit down with your parents and have a hard, uncomfortable conversation with them. Not a hateful one, a respectful one, but a hard one for you to have and, and establish some boundaries and say, we love you and we're thankful for you in our lives, uh, but we need to do our family this way and we need you to respect that. And you established whatever those boundaries. For Jamie and I, um, we established half a continent of boundaries, and that works for us. Um, <laughs> just, just teasing. Uh, we we genuinely, genuinely love our parents. We wish we got to see them more. Uh, but, um, but anyway, so um, I'll just, that, that's, that's totally for free. That wasn't even part of the outline. So, all right, so let, let's, let's move on. So we're, we're told that, you know, the two shall be one. Now, the reason the two become one is because when, when you enter into a marriage, you enter into a covenant, not a contract. You got to get this because this is important. When you enter into a marriage, you enter into a covenant, not a contract. Okay. And unfortunately, too many of us are treating marriage like it's a contract. 
All right? Now, a contract is based upon uh, mutual distrust. Mutual distrust. In other words, if some of you maybe uh, own a rental property and you rent to people or maybe you rent from someone and there's a contract between you and the landlord or the landlord and you, whatever the case, but there's a contract there. The reason there's a contract there is because you as a landlord do not trust your renters and you want to make sure uh, they know the deal. And the, and the reason it's good as a renter for you to have a contract is because you as a renter don't trust your landlord and you want to make sure they hold up to their end of the bargain. It's, a, it's, a, it's based on mutual distrust. In the context of marriage, when you enter into marriage at, like it's a contract, it's basically you saying, I am in this as long as you are in this. That you can expect out of me exactly what you give me. But when the love dries up and when you stop meeting my needs, you can expect that I'll probably stop meeting your needs. It's a contract. It's not a covenant. And that's not what marriage was meant to be. Marriage was meant to be a covenant where you stood before man and God and you joined together, you covenanted together that I am in this. I commit to you from what? From what? From this day forward. From this day forward. For better or for Worse, come on, you guys know the words, for richer or for in sickness and in as long as we both shall live. It's a covenant. And a covenant is based on a mutual commitment. That it is a lifelong based covenant. There is nothing, I'm in your life, boo. There's nothing going to get me out of your life. You're stuck with me. I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. And when you have that kind of covenant together, you have that never give up mentality. You have that. Now, there's a reason that uh, when Paul was writing in Ephesians, he said, wives, you need to submit to your husbands as the church submits to Christ. And uh, 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 husbands, you need to love your wives as, um, as Christ loved us and gave his life for us, right? And so our relationship with God is based on covenant. One of, my, one of the things I hate about the Bible, <laughs> that's usually something you don't hear pastors say very often, uh, one of the things I hate about our Bibles today is that there's, there's a word that's used in our Bible that, that I don't like because I think it's the wrong word. And it's, and it's not even a part of scripture, it's just a title that they threw in there. And it's, and it's two of them. One is Old Testament, the other is New Testament. And Testament doesn't really mean the same thing to us anymore as it used to mean. Because the word that really should be there, the word that's really meant there, is not Old Testament, New Testament. In our language today that would make most sense to us, it's Old Covenant, New Covenant. It's not just an old story and a new story. It's an old promise. It's an old covenant that God had with his people and a new covenant. The old covenant was based on law. The old covenant was based on, you know, following the law and sacrifice system. And and it was based on your nationality. You know, God God was the God of Israel and all that. I mean, it was, that was the old covenant. When Jesus came on the scene, the new covenant became about a, a relationship with God that would last a lifetime based on nothing that we could do and everything that he could do. Everything that he could do. He alone could die for us and pay the penalty for our sin. We couldn't do anything in that. 
And so God's coming. Who would want to serve a God whose covenant, who was, you know, we were contracted with versus covenanted with? Who would want to serve a God that was by, like, I will be your God until you mess up. And then it's not going to go well for you. Like, churches would be empty. Or, right? <laughs> right? They would be. Okay? But we serve a God who looks us, you know, into, in, you know, into our souls, and he says, I will be your God. And I know, because I know you, because I created you, I know it will be impossible for you to be 100% faithful to me, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm in this for good. And when you enter into a covenant relationship, God would say to you, when you enter into a covenant relationship with me, you can bank on the fact that I will keep my end of that covenant. I'm not going anywhere. And that's the model he gives us for our marriages. I'm not going anywhere. I don't care how sick or healthy you are. I don't care how rich or poor we are. I don't care how good or bad things get. I'm in this for the long haul. I will never, ever give up. And that same grace, that same love that he extends to us, he, he says, that's how I want you to treat each other in your marriage. Now, I'm assuming it's kind of easy for God to be God, but it's not so easy for me to be God, right? Right? I, I, I don't do God very well. I like revenge. I like to be angry for a limited amount of time. I think I deserve that once in a while. I like all kinds of things that are just hateful, to be quite honest. But God says, no, you know, when you're dealing with your wife, who is the most valuable treasure I've ever given you, I want you to treat her the way I've treated you. I want you to love her. I want you to sacrifice for her. I want you to let her know you're in it for good. For good. And that's what we're called to. I want to read this other verse. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Some of you need to hear this next part. Listen close. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. I think there's this sowing, and not only is there this sowing and reaping principle in life, the, the same principle I think applies in our marriages. And you need to know, we all know this philosophy that you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. If I plant an apple tree in the ground right here, right? If I, if I dig through this mess and I plant an apple tree then I don't expect to get a crop of dogs, right? I didn't plant dogs. I don't know if it works that way, but I actually do know. You don't have to worry, but, um, but I, I did not, I, you'll get what you plant. Whatever seed you plant, whatever you tend, however you tend to it, that's what you're going to get. And so in your marriage, if you want the healthy, thriving, enjoyable, romantic marriage, that's what you have to plant, You can't plant bitterness, and you can't plant neglect, and you can't plant 
priorities out of whack and, and all kinds of stuff that's not healthy and expect to get this beautiful, healthy marriage. It doesn't work that way. If you're not liking what you're getting out of your marriage, you need to look at what you're putting into your marriage. That was really good. You should be saying amen. <laughs> if you're not liking what you're getting out of your marriage, you need to look at what you're putting into your marriage. It is, it is, it is absolutely critical. You can't, there's no accidental healthy marriages. It just doesn't work that way. But it's not a reason, you know, if things get unhealthy, it's not a reason to just cash the whole thing in and give up. If you get a brand new car, like the car you've been wanting for forever, and you, you know, you, you, whatever, you, you saved up or you went into debt up to your ears, however you got that car, whatever. I'm not preaching debt this morning, it's a different sermon. So um, you get the car you want, and man, you're driving the tires off that car, you're just loving it. You just love everything about that car. And then you run out of gas. Do you be like, that was a fun ride, and you just leave it on the side of the road and walk away? No, that, that, that's stupid, right? No, you go fill it back up with gas. And it's the same thing in your marriage. Some, there are times you're going to run out of gas in your marriage, and you've got to fill it back up. You've got to take care of your marriage. Now, not only do you reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. I don't plant my apple tree over here and then expect that apples are going to pop up on that side of the room. That doesn't normally happen. And so if you want that growing, healthy marriage, you know, that dream marriage that you've always hoped you could have, that you used to think would, was a great idea, but you're constantly sowing in other areas of your life, your work life, your hobbies, what a dumb thing to do. Some of you, some of you are so dumb. That, that I, I, that I, and I'm, I'm dumb too. I got my own dumb areas, trust me. But it drives me crazy to see people who will neglect, I'm going to pick on guys, see guys who will neglect their wives in favor of a dumb sports team. Now, I love sports. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I've, I've watched just about every A's game. By the way, A's are in first place. God is good. And um, I've watched about every A's game uh, this season, or at least portions of it or whatever. I mean, I love getting into the, the sports. It's, it's a lot of fun. I love my Sooner football. I love, the, I love, I love it all. So, right? But the thing is, is that, I, you know, if my wife needs me or needs me to go somewhere with her or what, whatever the case may be, I'm not going to neglect my marriage over some dumb sports team. They don't care about me. They don't, they don't know me. They don't care about me. We didn't win the game. They won the game, right? We're not doing anything. I'm sitting on the couch, scratching. That's all I'm doing, right? <laughs> they won the game. Don't sacrifice your marriages over a hobby. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And some of you are going to pour and pour and pour into a career. And by the way, we're called to be hard workers. You, sh you, should, be, you should work with all your might. I believe that. But if you come to a point to where you think that you're, you're sacrificing family for a career... It's time to pull, rein it back in. It's time to make some adjustments. And we need to be prepared to do that. You'll reap not only what you sow, but where you sow. Where you sow. Now, we, um, you know, when we're talking going the distance, never giving up. Um, you know, I've been married for 18 years now. And I, I can tell you... Um, you know, you've all heard me talk you know, about 
the struggles that we've had in our marriage. And, and I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that when, when those hard times hit, um, if you persevere, if you don't give up, on the other side of that is beauty. That I, I can tell you with all sincerity that I'm more in love with my wife today than I have ever been in my entire life, ever, ever. And our love every single year just grows and grows and deepens and deepens to where the love that I thought we had the day we got married is such a joke to me now. There's so much I didn't know. So how, how much greater it could be and that it has become. I'm not, you know, I'm not hoping for year 19 or 20. I'm hoping for a much bigger number, a much bigger number. Now, it just so happened that God works in awesome ways. Um, that Friday, Dean and Joanna Kretschery, who celebrated 50 years of marriage. Awesome. Awesome. You guys come forward. Come forward. All right. So you guys just golf clap 50 years of marriage, and that makes me mad. Um, these are for you, Joanna. You deserve them. Dean, you, you, you get a certificate for a nap. So... <laughs> That's a kid. Um, it's, it's awesome that um, you guys are such an example to us and something that we can look to. I'm going to give you this. I just want to ask you guys one question, and that question is, um, what do you know about marriage at year 50 that you wish you would have known at year 1 or 5 or 10? Well, the first thing, um, I think that we, we needed to, to understand um, and came to an understanding along the way that God is the center of the marriage and the covenant with God is the same covenant with your wife. And in his word, which was just read, you become one and you stay with that. And um, I think that that was one of the really big issues for us. And, and the other one was that along the way, Marriage is like the weather. There are going to be cloudy days. There are going to be days that are not so pleasant. The sun always shines, and the flowers always bloom in the spring. And marriage is that way. No matter what goes on, no matter how much conflict or whatever, how much discussion you need to have, you can always put the effort into it to become that next level of happiness. And kind of going along with what you were saying earlier, Jeff, um, one of the things that I've written notes to my wife periodically, and a lot of them say, <clears throat> I love you more today than yesterday and less than tomorrow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. You wanna, you wanna add anything? All right, that's good. Good, good. You're right. It, a marriage is a lot like the weather. I heard that um, uh, a tornado and an Arkansas divorce are alike because either way, someone's going to lose a trailer. So, um, <laughs> anyway, that's horrible. Um, so, <laughs> to tornadoes, not to Arkansas people. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, um, I love you guys, and I'm so thankful that that we can celebrate this day with you, and and uh, it gives us a, a, all a benchmark to look 
forward to. And, and uh, um, I want to pray for you and uh, just ask God's blessings on you and your family. Father, we love you. And I lift up the Kretriu family to you and just ask that you would uh, continue to hold their marriage and um, just make it thrive. And, and uh, as, God, as they're looking into the next 50 years, um, God, I, I, I pray that they look back on number 50 and, uh, and, and chuckle at uh, how, how little they knew then, too. God, that their marriage just grows even more and more and more. And their love for each other just deepens and their love for you deepens, too. God, continue to bless their family. Thank you for the way that you have blessed them, and we just ask your blessings on them. And uh, we love you. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You can keep it this time. Yeah. There you go. So, that's good. She had, I had to take the flowers back from her last service, so, okay. They're actually yours now. Um, God really is good, and, 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 you know, and it's not, by the way, I don't, this, the whole idea of a, of a, a long-lasting marriage, it's not some sort of antiquated idea. It's not some sort of idea that, you know, that just used to happen. It's something that still happens. It's something that, by the power of God, will continue to happen. I can't wait till, you know, a lot of us are celebrating 50th together. And, and, and it's, just, it's just a beautiful thing when you do what it takes, when you make the commitments to God and each other to make your marriage a priority to not just pray that it happens by accident, but you say with, with the help of God and with a commitment to God and with a, with a growing love and commitment to you, no matter what the circumstances, I'm in this for the long haul. We're going to make this work. And not just get to the end of whenever the end is, but we're going to make it thrive and make it enjoyable and make it the awesome thing that God meant for it to be. I heard this great story. I'll close with this. I heard this great story this week um, where... Um, Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's uh, wife, was interviewed, and uh, she, uh, in the interview, they were asking her, you know, what it was like to be married to Billy Graham, and she talked about how, di- honestly, difficult it was, and not because he's some sort of spiritual superhero, but because uh, his ministry schedule often required him to be on the road away from home for six months or more at a time, and she was raising the kids pretty much all alone while he was out doing, you know, God's work or whatever. And, uh, and the interviewer asked her, you know, in all that time, in all the years you've been married, did you ever consider divorce? And she said, no, I never once considered divorce, even though I hardly ever saw him. She said, I did consider murder a couple of times. <laughs> I did consider murder a couple of times. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be, you know, the bed of roses that you thought it was going to be. It's not always going to be the, have the romantic comedy ending that you like to hope will happen. Sometimes it's going to be hard, but it's worth driving through. It's worth persevering to the end. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for your grace and your love that you've afforded to us. And uh, I, I pray that you would just uh, continue to... Um, Hold us in your hand and forgive us when we need forgiveness. Um, God, if there's anybody in the room that needs um, to know you in a right relationship today, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just draw them in right now. God, that they would be able to reach out to you in prayer and um, just seek the forgiveness that you have for them to begin this journey of committing their life to you. God, for marriages in the room that maybe are struggling, I lift them up to you right now and ask that you would Um, bring healing. Help us to have marriages that honor you and point to you.
thank you for the gifts that you've given us of our spouses and for the gifts that you're preparing to give us of spouses. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. I'll see you all next week.